dedicating this episode to the memory of Nicola McGivern. So welcome on in. Ends well boxing. Ireland's boxing podcast. I'm Al Rich. Click on the link in the attached show notes. You'll find all our previous episodes. If you want to get in touch, suggestions, ideas, you'll find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or you can email us at endswellpod at protonmail.com. It's been a minute since I last had the privilege and pleasure of being in your ears, but we're back from the new home, and you're welcome on in. So many boxing headlines, big wins for the Irish fighters at the weekend, some big reversals too over the last few weeks. And the International Olympic Committee announced new qualifying system over the last few days, which means an end of the road for a lot of Irish boxing dreams. And a poorly prepped, poorly presented, piss-poor, biased Ben Damon asks Dennis Hogan to tell the Australian public about himself. Come on. And our guests this week, Liverpool lass, who was due to fight the rematch of her Commonwealth bantamweight title against Amy Timlin on the matchroom card this weekend just gone. I've been told anything like Amy. Does she even want this fight? Carly Skelly is back to talk about what happened and what didn't happen. And an old pal of the podcast is back to give us the thoughts of a fighter when he's caught in those hectic moments of a storm when he's rattled, dazed, confused. He needed to hold me, he needed to wobble me, he needed to get hit with a bad body shot. Padgett Highland boxed at the very highest level, including against Josh Warrington and Gary Russell Jr. And he tells us where a fighter's head is at and how important it is to have a good corner behind him. Everyone needs that experienced corner man to tell you, grab him at this time, turn him up, pull him up, push him away. I don't know if you can tell in my voice or not, but I am absolutely ecstatic to bring you this first episode from the new studio as we start the next leg of the journey. Started this little building last September, halfway through September, and have no experience, no knowledge, nothing. Literally YouTube, learn, back to the job, and built it from the ground up. And just that, just last week, last Tuesday, decided, right, okay, going to move in here now. We're going to get this done, going to iron out all the wrinkles, start to finish. The next episode that comes out will be from there. Got in, got everything sorted, moved, and was, being honest, halfway through it, could have probably recorded an episode from it. But I don't multitask very well. I can do it if I have to do it. And it'll be okay. But to do it at 100%, no. Doesn't work. Pretty much like any fella around the place, if we're being honest. Had a few electrical difficulties, had all of that, but ironed it all out, and here we are. Not camera ready just yet. New LEDs going in today, new green screen going in today. How am I going to figure it all out? We'll get there. It's keeping me occupied, it's keeping me busy, it's keeping me excited. And the fights over the last 10 days or so? Whew. We go back to the matchroom card, the Josh Warrington card. The only real ones I was massively interested in, Reese Mould and Lee Wood, because of, of course, Sean's interest and Sean training young Reese, And, of course, a wounded Lee Wood coming back to the ring with a lot at stake for him, having been stopped, beaten up and knocked out of the Golden Contract competition by our own Jazza Dickens. It was a dangerous Lee Wood now working under Ben Davison, and he looked every bit as dangerous, as potent and as vicious as he has done in the past, and he absolutely knocked out Reese Mould in spectacular form. Now, Reese had his moments in the fight, but it was always a risky one for me. It was always one that I didn't fancy, if I'm being honest, I didn't fancy Reese. But he's a young fighter, he's a fresh, enthusiastic, and he's learning all the time. Selfa Barrett and Kiko was the other one I was interested in, and if I'm being honest, 
I could see Zalfa struggle at the beginning, as, as he did with Eric. But he was making the changes, the small changes, if not so very obvious. He was definitely making Now Kiko was doing the eye-catching stuff. Again, it comes down to a matter of preferences. And I know, we all know, we've all heard it by now. The cards were ridiculous, to say the least. And to say one one eight one 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 twice is it's it's just shambolic, and it's been done to death. So there's no need for me to add to it, other than to say I did have Zelfa winning. I had Zelfa winning by two rounds by the end, and I wasn't I wasn't looking back over every round. I just literally scored it at the end of each round, turned it away, forgot about it. And when I got it up at the end, I did kind of expect Kiko to be ahead, but when I counted the rounds, I had Zelfa winning by two. So that's for what that's worth. Not saying that it means anything massively. It certainly has no effect. Rightly or wrongly. The main event. Haven't spoken to Sean regularly. All the way through lockdown. Subsequently caught up with Josh then in the last couple of weeks. I was I was buzzing for this fight. I was cautious. But I was absolutely 100% convinced. That Josh would feel his way into the fight. Find his way into the fight. Establish himself. Impose himself. And then once he finds his flaw. Get the guy out there. I wasn't making any predictions. I wasn't even bothered if it took him 12 rounds to do it. 10 seconds in. We're going to start about the commentators, aren't we? 10 seconds in, the very first insult comes from Adam Smith. And, and seriously, at this stage, Sky need to do something about their pundits because it, it's it's just not funny anymore. It's not enjoyable. They're taking the enjoyment out of good fights. He called Lara novice. Said he was slow, ponderous on the pads the day before. I still can't put my finger on the one thing that Josh wasn't doing. He was erratic. He was ponderous at times, predictable. Almost seemed... It just didn't look him. It's, the, it's all I could really say. What worried me, there wasn't, wasn't as much aggression. He was operating in straight lines. There was no speed. No timing. Zero dipping or rolling or changing levels or feints. The defence was porous. He, even the shots that were coming on the gloves, they were, they were, he was feeling them. He knew he was feeling them. And once he got tagged in that fourth round... The best way I could describe it, and the only way I can think to describe it, is that he got caught in a fog. It was like driving through a fog across the Curragh here in Kildare. And if you're going down into these dips, every time he got hit by um, Lara, he went down into a dip, which made it darker and denser fog again. And he managed to clear and come up a little bit. And each time he got closer and closer and closer to the level, Lara would hit him again, dip, and back he went into the fog and ultimately never recovered fully from it. Now it's a long, long, long time since I felt the way I did after the fight that Saturday night. It was distressing to see him prostrate on the on the canvas. Medics, oxygen and Lara beckoning for help for, for the stricken fighter. It was shocking, it was worrying, it was puzzling and it was very upsetting. But in those moments I didn't grasp at straws or make silly claims or jump to Twitter to make all sorts of emphatic statements. I looked to the one man, the one person that knows Josh Warrington better than anybody else on this planet, regardless of what expert thinks what. I looked to Sean, and instantly I knew I didn't need to worry as much as I, as I had been. Instantly I got that feeling, because, as I said, Sean knows his boy better than anybody else. Nobody else. I'm certain we didn't see anything close to the best of Josh Warrington. I'm certain we probably didn't even see a 50% Josh on the night. Why? I don't know. I don't know who does know. I don't know if anybody will ever know. I think, I think, we'll tell a lot from our, from the next fight and subsequent fights. And it could well just be that this sport 
that we love and watch and hate sometimes it's that's just the unpredictability of it that small one percent when you come to the ring if everything doesn't line up something can happen anything can happen and it did the questions that I was left with I'm still wondering genuinely am pondering was he focused on Zoo a little bit too much were there too many distractions like being the senior figure in the camp the stable was he kind of shouldering the, the brunt of, of looking out for Reese, making sure Reese got through it okay and there was a shot of him at one point in the dressing room preparing tying his boots and getting everything ready for his own fight on his own looking at Reese getting brutally knocked out in the towel coming in he had to share that dressing room that, that can't have been easy can't have been easy could it have just been ring rust was there an injury who knows was the weight done wrong some people tend to think so one thing you will know for sure is he won't make excuses that is for certain other things I want to know on a bigger scale who made that match has has Eddie Matrum just not learned a thing from a certain Mexican been brought in at the last minute who absolutely sent shockwaves around the boxing world and of course Andy Ruiz Jr did nobody take the time to look to study to figure out what and 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 when they make that last minute change let the fighter and the team know I think I can't help wonder at times not being a hater I just can't help have that little niggling question has Eddie taken his eye off the ball in terms of UK fighters in terms of his home grown bred champions jetting around the world with shows fighters books podcasts TV shows UK and British just doesn't look as appealing to him anymore as certainly not as appealing as Canelo and Reynoso's he never ever did we see Eddie hern off a beat with the likes of Kelbrook, Tony Bellew or Carl Froch always by their side always fighting for the slightest little inch that little half percent anything it took and and I checked myself then as I think like that to say oh don't be so stupid and then I think again fighters like Callum Johnson Callum Smith Billy Joe Saunders and the one that really boils my frog <laughs> Tasha Jonas not to mention today's guest Carly Skelly so as Eddie rattled off that get out of jail spiel about rematch for Kiko and Kiko deserves this and fair play and justice I found myself shouting at the telly what about Tasha what about Carly of course what followed was a media shitstorm all the questions all the experts all the opinions all the thoughts jumped to the front to berate Josh for being too brave for being this for being that his corner should have pulled him the ref should have stepped in and again I find myself shouting at the telly what the f*** do you lads want when Dubois took the knee wasn't able to carry on he was questioned he was belittled he was battered and berated and now because we've got our guy goes out in his shield and that's not good enough either. What do you want? Moving on. Quite literally. For me, the best British light heavyweight, and the best light heavyweight outside of the top two or three, Callum Johnson. He's gone back to Queensbury and Frank Warren. This, for me, could bring the whole division to life. We now have Anthony Yard, Lyndon Arthur, we've CJ now, and we have quite a bunch of just below them who will be fighting regularly, fighting often, could, should, and probably will 
make a big, big difference to each of them to be fighting more regularly, more often, against tough, world-level opponents. I'm hoping to catch up with CJ soon. Definitely have it organised over the last few weeks and just with one thing and another and I can see now why time kind of wasn't available and it didn't suit. So hopefully it'll be in the next couple of episodes. Really looking forward to that. He's a genuine, honest to God, hard as nails, dyed-in-the-wool fighter. And a couple of more reasons for me to question Edward of Hearn. Looking back over the 18 months of inactivity for CJ himself, Dimitri Bivol, the WBA light heavyweight world champion, boxed three times, while that man was left sitting about after the Better BF fight. He boxed Castillo, he boxed Joe Smith Jr., he boxed Jan Pascal, and he boxed Isaac Chalemba. Just enough to make me wonder why. And tell me am I mad? Tell me am I mad? Tell me am I being a conspiracy head? But is there a little matchroom mariachi going on at the moment? All of a sudden, out of nowhere. Never heard much pomp, much interest, much anything about Mexican fighters in matchroom. Now all of a sudden we've got three big wins, two cards. And watch out for the upcoming Dallas card at the weekend. And watch out for the Billy Joe Saunders versus Canelo card. Let's see who what names appear on those cards. It's no secret. My favourite fighter in the last few years has been the Jackal, Carl Frampton. But the fight that worried me the most of all of the massive fights we've seen throughout his long career was the one next, Jamel Herring. I couldn't, could not for the life of me see how the Jackal, my man, could get inside enough without getting hurt to do the damage on a man who hits harder, who looks bigger and stronger than anything he's ever faced before. Now, I've never doubted Carl Frampton ever since the Chris Avalos fight. I got worried in the run-up to that fight. Avalos was doing a lot of big talk and he was making a lot of big statements. And just for a moment before the fight, I questioned. Just lost my arse a little bit. Never. I made a decision that night. Never again will I doubt the wee man himself. But this time around, I just... It it was more caution. It was taken into account. The injuries, it was taken into everything else. But only last weekend I decided I'm going to have a look at this closely. And I did. And I began to think, hang on a minute, I'll hang on a minute, man. You might be wrong here. You might just have missed something. And I did. And I was starting to come around to the thinking and I started to see it. And by the end of the weekend, I was yes, he's going to do this. And it wasn't just a, a foolish dream or a wish or a hope. It was all that as well, but a belief. And then the news breaks. <laughs> the fight's postponed. Apparently due to a hand injury which seems precautionary we hope so definitely hope so Uh, as I said worrying all along when you finally come to believe it and you think it 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 does genuinely seem to be more of a precaution that he could have fought on did not want to go in there anything less than what he can be at his absolute ultimate and I believe now it could be in Dubai with something of a crowd there also which would be big important because Again, when you look at the fights over the last few weeks, at telling points in the fights, I'm not saying that the crowd would have won the fight, but would the crowd have caused the opponent, maybe in, whether it's David Avanissian, to go back into his shell a little bit? Would it have caused the likes of Mauricio Lara not to be on the front foot, not to be so game? Who knows? Who knows? Paggio will tell you in a few minutes. You'll hear from him about what it's like to enter the crowd in Leeds Arena with an absolute throng of Josh Warrington fanatics baying for blood. One man's misfortune is another man's great fortune and blessing for Anto Kakachi steps up to the top of the bill this weekend as he defends his British title against Woodridge. A brilliant fight for an absolute 
gent of a fella who's been in the game a long time. He's had his ups, he's had his downs, he's had his, he's had, he's had it all. And now he's at the pinnacle of his career. These next few fights, these next few wins will ultimately decide where and when Anto Kakachi goes in the annals of Belfast boxing and world boxing. I genuinely think he has it all. I think he has everything it takes to become a world champion. But let's watch and see and let's not make the mistake we've done over the last few weeks of, of making predictions blindly, hopefully, foolishly. It's funny, funny, strange, unprecedented times that we're in and they're affecting everybody in every way, not less the boxers. Something of a bombshell went off midweek last week when the IOC announced that there was a big, big change in the Olympic qualifier format. There isn't now the time to run the, 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 the competitions and tournaments as they had first planned and as they generally do. It now looked like it was going to work off the BTF rankings, not the IBA rankings. When completed, the points from all the continental fighters were added up and would be a, a big impact on the rankings. Instead of, instead of unlimited geographic free-for-all world qualifiers, one qualifying slot in each weight would be available. And it was bad from the point of view of Europe and European boxers, which in turn knocked on on Irish boxing. What does this mean? It means the 51 kg division in the women, there is no option for qualifications for Carly McNall, Kira Smith. Uh, and for the men's flyweight, we have Brendy Irvine qualified there already. In the women's featherweight division, we had Michaela Walsh. She's, at a, she's ranked at 16th in the world, third in Europe. It means that there's a think six slots available for her. So a semi-final or a box-off in a quarter-final would be for her the alter, the route to the Olympics. So a win over Frances Mona Mastayan in the last 16 would almost guarantee Michaela a slot at the Olympics. If she lost in the quarters, the box-off, a box-off would probably be optioned, optioned and um, where she's likely to face a, a, a number of opponents there. So a win in the quarter-final, a win of very minimum of one, looks like it will put Michaela Walsh through. Men's featherweight, Kurt Walker looks like he's qualified already. Uh, he is the he, yeah on on the format that they've announced. Kurt is going to the Olympics, so congratulations to the Nugget himself. Women's lightweight Kelly Harrington, she is 14th in the world. She's second in Europe, almost there, pretty much almost there. She beats Poland's Anyata Igleska in her opening bout in the qualifier. She's guaranteed qualifications. Indeed, if she loses, she's a solid chance of qualifying still, as she would end up into a, a box off. So Kelly is almost there too. In the men's 63kg, ironic that James McGivern is the highest ranked there of those lads and he has turned pro uh, at least 12 months ago now. Uh, the European qualifier, George Bates, in the last 16. So a straight box off for Bates is what he's facing. There's a whole host of possibilities and permutations and they've all been compiled in one article on irishboxing.com by the man himself, Joe O'Neill. And I've attached a link in today's notes for that it's not a spreadsheet it's it's just a report it's how he's he's written all the names he's got all the possibilities and all the the probable outcomes and the eventualities so special shout out to joe for that massive work as i said we're going to be working with joe a lot over the next coming episodes and weeks and months and hopefully grow into a brilliant relationship because the man has done endless tireless and thankless work over the years for irish boxing he's been the go-to place him and him and uh, the rest of the crew, Joe and everybody else that's involved with the website there, forgive me if I've left anybody out. Certainly not intentionally. I'm really looking forward to working in some way, shape or form with 
everybody there what a platform they are and a special mention to Joe as well I believe he had a bereavement in the family over the last couple of days hope everything is going well keep yourself right keep yourself safe and sane as possible me being the perennial Muppet lose touch over the last few days and weeks lost touch over the last few days and weeks with what's been going on and where I didn't even realise the Irish team had flown to Bulgaria for their annual participation in the Strania tournament so shout out to Team Ireland out there I'll be getting myself together I'll be getting some stuff together here over the next couple of days get it all out there and get some support building behind you because they deserve it now more than ever and they need it now more than ever Team Ireland are still in there with a shake they've still got some big big shouts in for Olympic medals if and when this Olympics goes ahead so special mention to all the team out there in Bulgaria right now stay tuned to the ep- to the podcast and to the social media and we'll get it out as quick as we can Carly Skelly should by now at the very least have boxed the rematch of her drawn Commonwealth Super Bantamweight title fight with Amy Timble as we look forward to it and got ready for it and as she prepared to taper down helped of course by the fantastic power preps meal preparation we were also let down at short notice and she joins me here today to talk about the disappointment the frustrations and her thoughts in general um, yeah so basically last week was just a bit of a, a rubbish week getting the news um, only 10 days out from the fight um, obviously I was all ready I've been training really hard in the gym and stuff so I was pretty much just ready to start tapering down and, and, and go down so really frustrating to, to, to be told so late um, and obviously this since we found out we've like tried to push for somebody else to be on the show and Obviously, nothing's come of that. Um, unfortunately, I went a matchroom fighter. Um, I think Amy obviously was like a up and coming prospect, and I think going off that fight, they assumed you know she'd win, she'd be signed with matchroom possibly. Um, but I think obviously on the the, the fight that we've had, that I unsettled that. Um, I was wrongly done to it. Um, getting a draw, I should have had the belt back in October. Um, so to get the the rematch was really really exciting for me because it was have made, um, just open doors, you know, give me opportunities and stuff, and not getting that is just yeah, it's it's just rubbish and yeah, as of like sort of I've you know we've had a few little um messages off other people saying there's other girls out there that could be put onto the show and stuff, and that was all put forward and like I say, not being a matchroom fighter, it was. It was not on the cards. Do you know what it is, Carly? It, it stuck in my throat on Saturday night when I saw Eddie standing front and centre and being so forthright and calling how, how bad a call it was and the points and everything else and demanding fair play. And I just thought in my head, mm, yeah, yeah, but it can't just be when you want it or when you choose it or where you choose it. Surely fair play is across the board for everybody on the back of all the goodwill that's been created for female fighting I hate using the term female fighting but you girls carried a year through last year now it just seems to me where I had the first chance to create it fix it at, at right at the beginning and he's just dragging heels a little bit do you do you think is it just that he got caught for time or or what do you feel it is um, we've gone into 2021 and obviously it started off quite difficult this year there was no shows everything was cancelled because of a lockdown then the first weekend was obviously last weekend. There was no female fights on that show, but me and Amy were due to be on the, the following one. So I think like looking at every month, there's been a female bout on each month, which was really good. But then obviously when our fight fell through, 
it is a shame the females are trying to get themselves out there. And like you say, you don't want to differentiate men, women. It, you know, it is just boxing. It is getting better for women, so it's a shame for it to not continue that way. And it's quite difficult that, you know, if you're not signed with this big promotion company, it's hard to get the fights. And, you know, I, I'm there ready waiting for a fight. And due to somebody else pulling out, I'm just, again, just waiting now. And it, it's quite hard being like a mum as well. It was like, as I've had this fight Saturday and... Then as I got that little bit of wind down time to, to be at home with the kids and focus on the kids and stuff. And for me now, I can't really do that because I don't know whether I'm going to get anything else in the meantime. You know, I haven't been told anything of like, Amy, is she just out for a little while or is she going to be getting surgery through this? Or does she even want this fight in all fairness? That's my biggest issue. You know, am I going to be sitting there waiting for a few weeks or for it to come back from an operation or for it to come back from a deflated um, mindset from, from what happened from the last time. So there's no answers. There's a lot of uncertainty for me, but I am strong-minded and I am strong-willed and I won't go down without a fight. Um, I will keep at it, at it. I will keep pressing and I will push for these fights. Um, You're not looking for anything that, that untoward or... or... All you're asking for is a fight, <laughs> and, and yeah, like it, that's it's, it. it, it would seem very straightforward. I don't wish any ill on Amy or Kieran. I speak to Kieran on a regular basis. I don't wish, I don't wish anything on anybody other than fair play. A girl has gone through a full camp. She's had her sponsors behind her. She's had the team. Poor old Paulie must be hiding behind the couch at this stage. And <laughs> he doesn't know what to be expecting. <laughs> <it's>, uh, <laughs> and um, yeah. it, it's to try and see the humorous side of it, it. It's not, it's it's an it's not the nice side of this game, but. The positive of it is you're getting massive media exposure. I heard you on the Legged podcast the other day. Shout out to the two lads. Um, they were they were got a, a crash course in boxing and you were able to educate them as well. So it's um, <laughs> that side of it and the positivity. It's it's bringing up a little bit, but again, you do you do want and need to know when at least if and if she doesn't want to fight again, well then say that too, you know, and let you move on and let you go to the next opponent and whoever that would be. That's it. It's just it's just knowing, isn't it? I've not had, had an update as in, like, this is going to be an injury that's going to keep it out for a while. I've been told so far that, you know, we'll be put on a show at a later date. But I understand boxing. Like, when I got into it, I wasn't naive to think, you know, it's going to be all, like, roses and flowers and, you know, a nice sail in the in the um nice smooth smooth ride I was very aware it's 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 hard it's difficult and you know I do like a challenge I'm always there pushing for it but obviously being you know trying to like work and and be a mum as well setbacks like this so so last minute do you know if it for me like the the thing that I struggle with is I do believe that I don't know whether their team or Amy want this fight I, I doubt that and I just want to know you know, is this going to happen? Anybody that's seen the yeah. footage and anybody that's seen anything, and now and, and I reached out to Amy and Kieran uh, just before I chatted with you the first time, just to give, to be fair, across the board, I didn't hear anything back. You would just be hopeful that at some point along the line, very deflated after that first fight, then obviously Kieran took the mic and Kieran just Kieran, Kieran goes to town. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I've heard a few of Kieran's um, interviews. I think he's just done one last week. Um, and yeah, he was he was very vocal. He, in his opinion, it's definitely going to be happening. Apparently, I'm going to be getting schooled, and you know, she's so much of a better boxer than me. Um, so yeah. <laughs> and to ha has there been any contact whatsoever? With Manager, he's had a little bit of contact um, to see whether we could get on another show, uh, another opponent in for this Saturday, um, and he didn't hear nothing back. And 
I um, I had a good friend down there actually in the bubble last week with one one of his fighters. Um, so I know he's done a little bit of um asking about um while he was up in the bu- bubble with Matrium and he just said like basically you know you weren't the Matrium boxer so it was it was very difficult to to organise it but he was told as well that we we would get the rematch at some point. It's the times and everything that's in it. It's not ideal. So how have you managed to to um to to keep yourself keep your head on straight? Have you kept training? Have you continued on, or you you had to tape it back a little bit? It's a... To be honest, I've kept in quite quite um quite intense with my training. I think I've needed to just carry on just for the first couple of days. Otherwise, I probably would have felt a little bit like all over the place for me. Training is like a massive part of like my mental health as well. I was own training, I can sometimes feel a bit rubbish. So I've just kept training and I've got through it and I've felt in a lot um, a lot better this week and just, you know, accepted it for what it is. And it's actually been a nice week with the kids being off school, even though there is no school without them having to do the school work. We've had um, some quality family time this week, which has been lovely. Um, so, yeah. If ever the meditation was going just, to get tested and, and, and put to use, I'd say this, is, this was the week, wasn't it? <laughs> That's it. They've been longer meditations the past few days. I've needed it a little bit more. And <laughs> well, look, it's, it's it's a credit yeah. to you to be able to. And I mean, the way it came across on the on the Legged podcast as well was, which I I listened to, started listening to the lads a few months ago, and and there's some there's a big mix out there for, of all sorts of guests on it, and they were quite honest from the off. They didn't know much about the about I suppose about boxing in general, but girls boxing and stuff. But they they learn pretty quick. And one of the best points I saw, I spotted, yeah, was, he, he picked up on it very quick. Was they gave you very short notice for this fight in the first place, and then to pull over at the last minute just leaves a little bit of a bad taste. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think we were told like five weeks before, and um, I don't know whether that was the same on both parties or what. But again, I I didn't know whether that was like kind of like you know just springing upon us. She's known about it long longer because I think she's done an interview you see and she seemed quite um quite sure of a date that it was all coming so it seemed like she maybe knew a little bit more than I know that's never an issue for me anyway yeah I'm you know I'm always ready there's 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 never um, any issues for that um so that wouldn't have been an advantage anyway but yeah I just felt like maybe they knew a little bit sooner you know if that could just put me speculating knows yeah no i'd say you're 100 percent right but look the bus the big part of it here in the plus side of it is carly that you're you're in a good place more or less you've you've, uh, you've got good people around you you've got great sponsors you've got a great team and uh closer to home you've got a special team close around you as well so they're enjoying having mommy around this week and um it's just from my point of view i suppose it's all i can wish is that it, it does the right thing is done and well look whether the fight what way the fight goes after that it's between the pair of you and and it's down to the best woman. I mean, the best woman and the best woman will win. But it just seems yeah. right now that the fight to get to the fight is bloody well harder and bigger than than the fight itself <laughs> is going to be. So um, yeah. all I can do is hope and wish for the best for you and for the guys and 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 just pray that it comes around sometime soon. Yeah, hopefully, you know, it'd be it'd be nice to know roughly like how long she's out for, and then we'd have an idea of like when we could be put back onto another show but I'll stay positive I'll stay in the gym and you know use use it in my favor it gives me more time to work on stuff and get more sparring and so it it can't be it can't be like a bad thing even though it's frustrating I'll I'll learn loads I'll, I'll be more ready so you know you've just got to take these um 
these things as what they are and just work on other things. And I mentioned it to you off air there, just uh, had a little bit of it. We had a bit of a giggle about it, but uh, a special mention for the man. I feel like a norm at this stage and having sp- Sid, he must be a coach, he must be a manager, he must be a psychologist, he must be a surrogate dad, all rolled into one this week. <laughs> He's seen all the emotions, it says, isn't he? Yeah, definitely. I think I nearly started crying on the phone. He was like, oh, no, don't cry. Because yeah, <laughs> the worst thing is, is I was just actually walking in with my shorts. I'd just been to get my shorts and um, my new sponsors oh, on them. No. So I was like kind of skipping in, you know, with a big, big smile on my face. My shorts look great and just bounced in. And literally as I walked in, the phone rang and that was that. And I was like, no, couldn't have come in a worse time. <laughs> Can we do sliding doors, turn around and walk back out? <laughs> 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 but look, um, the, the the important thing is, as I said, there's a lot of people who react in different ways. And, and, and I've seen people react a lot and, and, and decide, right, this is it. Bag goes in the corner and go off down to the bottle shop. But that hasn't happened. It's not likely to happen. The chocolate's not even going to maybe maybe treat yourself to a little bit of chocolate at some point just to just to get a blowout and uh, keep yourself as positive as you can. <laughs> and, and it's always brilliant. It's great to hear the positive. It's great to hear the laugh and everything else. It's it brings it brings um in these times, Carly, I think it brings. It, it, it makes a big difference to people to hear other people laughing and to hear them positive and to hear people being able to deal with adversity. So as always, you're setting an example for everybody. That's it. I've got like the two boys. So, you know, that they've seen like how upset I was, but then I've got to show them you can't just give up and things don't go your way because I want them to grow and, you know, aim for their dreams and know that you're all going to have setbacks in life and you've just, you've got to keep going and going. Otherwise, you know, you'll accomplish nothing. So if anything, you know, the boys keep me going so much just to be able to keep proving them no matter how many people say no to yeah you'll be what you want to be if you keep pushing forward that's and that's the same to anyone out there you know anyone listening in just keep that mindset don't let knocks in life ever you know be the decider you write your own story make it the story that you want and you know for all the fantastic undoubted and life-changing differences that boxing makes around the world on a daily basis, the business side of it remains the most frustrating and annoying at times. And on a lighter note, what fight fan can't but smile, get goosebumps, as they listen to this tune and think back that magical night, Bellew versus Makobu at Goodison Park. Want to make a little request today as well, particularly with this episode, if we could keep the memory of the warrior that is and was Scott Westgart. Three years ago today, he boxed Dex Bellman. He won the fight, but sadly and tragically and heartbreaking, he went on and lost his life after the fight. Um, in a true movie-style scenario afterwards, and, and but only only all too real, Deck and the family uh, went on to become friends, allies, and almost travelled on together to carry the memory of Scotty. And who could ever forget the scenes? Uh, not that I think it was a little over a year or so later, when when Deck went on and beat Kirk Garvey to win that English title, it still still gives me chicken skin here just remembering. It. And you know, with all the complaints and the frustrations and the annoyance at lockdown and everything else, it's when you think about things like this, it puts it all into perspective. So respect to Adam and the family, and of course, big respect and love to Deck and his family. Thinking of you guys today. Forgive me if I get a little bit. Hot under the collar with this one. I said in the intro that uh, Ben Damon, the Australian face of boxing, on their TV coverage or whatever you want to call it, that he was poorly prepped, he was poorly presented, and overall, generally just piss poor. He was biased. I don't know, was I surprised? Was I annoyed? 
the official launch, I guess, for Dennis Hogan versus Tim Zhu. Now, every time you hear something about Tim Zhu, it's followed closely by, it's not about anybody else, this is about the sun. It's Zhu too, blah, blah, blah. That's fine. I get that. I appreciate it. I respect it. And I understand the fella not wanting to be recognised for his father's achievements. And that takes us to our undefeated fighter, Tim Zhu. Tim, welcome to Newcastle. We've heard about uh, everything that your father did in this part of the world. It must be nice to be back here and uh, representing the Zoo name. Yeah, look, we've, we've had history here um, and, it's, and it's only been positive. Um, you know, I was only a, a little young kid uh, back in the days when Dad was fighting here in Newcastle. So, you know, it's, it's good to be back here, uh, to be fighting on my own card. So why then, if he's trying to get away from it, is every single time we see him and hear from him, it's Costia, Costia, Costa, Costa, Costa. Sounds like I'm going on a coffee overdose. Now, as I said, I'm biased. Dennis is my man. He is my man. He's our man. He's, he's all you want in an Irish fighter and more. He's tough. He's honest. He's humble. He's skillful. He's tricky. He's awkward. He's slippery. He's decent. He's genuine. And as I said, he's as honest as the day is long. But take all that aside and my my bias and my friendship with Dennis I, I'm not going to let that blind me to the dangers of Tim Zhu. Tim Zhu is a dangerous opponent it's a dangerous time of Dennis's career all things taken into account this is a big big fight it's not as big as it could have or should have been because Dennis has earned the right to fight at a higher level something Tim hasn't done yet I'm going to repeat that for the Australian casuals that, that, that do like to Speak a lot. Tim hasn't earned a crack at world level yet. He has beaten Jeff Horn in the story. An open, a, a sparring session in front of a crowd doesn't quantify or qualify as a world eliminator. So, very peculiar to see this one-sided, lopsided, piss-poor presentation start on, on the Monday night, but it continued. When Damon asked Dennis to tell the Australian public who were 100% behind him in his last two fights, he asked him to tell who he is. Welcome to Newcastle, mate. Um, first and foremost, tell us the Dennis Hogan story, because while you are very well known internationally in boxing circles, there might be some in Australia who don't know the full Dennis Hogan story. Now, I could go into this at different lengths, different depths, but here's some facts. Okay, Tim has 17 pro fights. All domestic level, all in Australia, all in Sydney, never left home. His biggest win was against a shop-worn Jeff Horn. End of story. That's all there is. Okay. Dennis Hogan, 32 pro fights, 10 years a professional boxer. He's topped the bill in the Barclays Centre. He's boxed in New York. He's boxed in various parts of America. He's beat Munguia to take the world title off him, but didn't get the title. And yet... Timmy boy has the cheek to talk about a loss. What do you make of the challenge that Dennis Hogan presents? Um, you would have seen his fights in recent years, most notably uh, in Mexico, uh, when he considers he was ripped off. Look, the history of books don't say that. Um, a loss is a loss. <sighs> Take the bias back. Look at the fight as it is. Ignore the piss-poor presentation. Ignore the bookies' opinions. And take into account what you see. You see vastly experienced world-level opponent against a prospect coming through with a decent record. Let's take it at that and see where it goes. From the moment this fight was even suggested, I've never batted an eyelid. It's not close. It's not anything other than a Dennis Hogan shutout, a win, 
and a move back to our level and let Tim ponder his future domestic level personally. Looking around the box in the world for news, we'll mix it all up. We'll have Irish, we'll have world, we'll have the whole lot. It's, it's again, it's a mix and match to try and decipher what's good, what's bad, what's real, what's not. Uh, but a big shout out and a congratulations. And no surprise really to Newbridge man, referee Dermot McDermott, who's now been selected to officiate at the American Year Olympic qualifiers. Dermot's been a champion boxer. It's been a huge part of, of Royston Boxing Club in Newbridge, becoming the champion club that they are. And now he's just representing, replicating again his form for being the best at what he does. So shout out and congrats to you, Dermot. No doubt it'll only keep getting stronger, keep getting better and better and, and climbing the ranks. Paddy McCrory had agreed and looked set to fight David Lemieux on the world stage. A big, big launch onto the international level for Paddy. Seems that uh, Lemieux's people had second ideas and they pulled it. Where comes now? What comes next? Who knows? There's, I hear there's a fight announcement imminent for Potty, a new opponent imminent. Time will tell. And that the long-awaited rematch between Dillian White and Alexander Povetkin has again been switched. It's now a rumble on the rock in Gibraltar, if you wouldn't mind, on March 27th. So back with on that, the whole card goes, including Campbell Hatton's promote, um, debut. More news that came out during the week around Boxing Ireland promotions. Not only had they got a card coming up on March 20th, but they announced that their rep in the north of England will be none other than Jade Kareem. Jade's been a guest on here with me in the past. He's boxed for Boxing Ireland promotion, boxed all around the world. Massive experience and an absolute gentleman. Delighted for you, my man. Delighted for Jade, delighted for the lads. Hopefully they can make it work and keep going through the levels. The fight in, in Luxembourg, back to business three. It's in conjunction, I believe, with only one boxing. Seems to be a packed card. Looks to be exciting stuff. We've got Owen O'Neill, Aaron Gethins, Marty Quinn, Joe Fitzpatrick making a return, uh, Jamie Morrissey debut, Kevin Cronin, Dom uh, Dunnigan, and Caitlin Phelan, all scheduled to appear on that card. So it looks like it's going to be a barn burner. It's €7 Euros each uh, for a stream access. You'll get it, I think, on the Boxing Ireland a Facebook page I was going to say fans only page I'll tell you where my mind is these days but uh, yeah good luck to the lads and brilliant to see and hopefully hopefully this one can get through the Covid restrictions and everything else and we can get the guys out on the card and we can get to see some domestic professional boxing for once and for all um, two good wins on the road over the weekend for Stephen O'Rourke and the lads Tiernan Bradley stepped up another level he had a fine win as did John Cooney now let me make a big apology to you, John. I did it, uh, message you during the week or message you on Saturday night, Sunday morning. And I want to say it again. I was caught up here last week doing as I was doing. Missed a lot of stuff. Missed, still haven't seen the, the, uh, Oscar Valdez fight and Vimbella Chant. But I will get to that once I get this episode out. I missed the fact that John Cooney was on the card and I completely left him out. I didn't include him in any of the build up. So I apologize to you for that. And, um, congratulations to you on your win. And looking forward to catching up with you really soon as well. And congratulations to Connor Slater and all the lads. And as I said, wouldn't ever do that intentionally on anybody. Um, what else have we got going around the place? Uh, upcoming episodes here will be Remember Rinty. I'm going to do an episode to mark the anniversary of Rinty on the 3rd of March, and the anniversary of his death. So a little bit of a special there. We'll have some interviews with him, some of his family. We'll have some fighters and, and people talking about the importance and what he means to Belfast and what he does. Where exactly is his place in history? And we're doing a little mental health episode to help highlight and show exactly the differences 
and how people are, are suffering and where they're suffering and at what level. And uh, joining me on that will be my Newbridge uh, brother, of course, former 2FM DJ, Keith Walsh. Looking forward to speaking. I'll be actually speaking with Keith tomorrow. So get that done. We'll get it organised and we'll be bringing it to you in boxing format, of course. Boxing relevance as well as everything else in the real world. And just to wrap it up with the last couple, Paulie Highland Jr. has a new opponent for his British title fight. He was scheduled to face Liam Walsh. The cursed COVID strikes again. The Walsh brothers will not be sorry to see the back of this damn thing. But he now is down to face Maxie Hughes, who has had a tw- an Indian summer of his career. He's had a couple of good wins last year, but I believe last year he was the story of the year. And I said that to Sean at the beginning just at the beginning of December, I thought the boxing world was overlooking him. And then he went and got, I think, MTK Fighter of the Year. So, great fight on the cards there. Should be something to look forward to. And hopefully, everybody can get to the ring, get to the fight, and see where it goes from there. Lee Reeves fights this weekend in Colombia, if you wouldn't be minding. From Limerick to Lanzarote to Colombia. He makes his first outing under John O'Brien. And looking forward to watching the lads under the lights. See how it goes for them. And of course, all the best wishes and everything go from here. And I'd like to ask you, as you listen to this, just to take a minute and remember a loss over the last week. Two huge members of the boxing community in different ways. Billy McKee, of course, was the coach of Carl Frampton, coach in Belfast, who left an indelible mark on the community at large. The boxing world, it's, it's not even possible to explain how much of a loss he'll be. He had moved on. He was quite elderly now, quite old. But from what I can gather, he wasn't in the best of health, but wasn't. It, it was a surprise, I think. It was a shock, a horrible shock. So very sad and sorry to hear that. And as I mentioned at the top of the show here, James McGivern's mum, Nicola, passed away last week. I couldn't believe it. I genuinely couldn't believe it. There's, when I do episodes here, about particularly about younger pros, turning pro and... Uh, I, I invariably get a lot of messages from family and mem- friends and cousins and girlfriends and thanking me and just, just commenting left and joking. And, and I found myself looking back over Nicola's messages last week and I saw, I just found it so sad, genuinely so sad. A lady who was just full of life, full of full of enthusiasm. She was one so, so proud of James. So proud. And um, it just, it, it just made me, it made me sad to read it and to think about it and it just brings it all the more closer to home and I'd just I'd ask you as you listen to this now just have a little thought for the families the friends the loved ones of, of Billy McKee and Nicola McGivern a couple of things that have come to the fore over the last few months in fights was technique pedigree fundamentals all coming back to prove how crucial they are in this, cra- in this crazy sport at times when the heat comes on when the fat's in the fire and the fight's in the melting pot it's, it's, it's what you've learned and what your base is that you can draw on and where it brings you and how it helps you and the other thing that we've seen all the way back as far as the Ryan Garcia fight at the very start on the 1st of January the importance of a corner team and of a unit of a coach of a man in there who knows what's going on he knows what he's seeing he knows when to step on the pedal he knows when to step off it. He knows when to put the arm around. And he knows when to use the whip. We see it all the time. The importance of a good coach. We've saw it over the years with Emmanuel Stewart. With Freddie Roach. We've seen it so, so many times. And I can't help but wonder over the last few weeks. The importance, the influence and the impact it's having on some of our 
fighters right now. I'm talking about fights last last Friday night. Looked at the fights. A the incredible performances from Pierce O'Leary. Incredible performance from Paddy Donovan. Going through the gears. And I look at Sean. And Sean McComb. And when that fight was made, as I said, I winced. Genuinely winced when that fight was made. I thought, this is going down a weight. No, not a good idea. He's such a big frame, such a big fella. Yes, he makes the weight, but maybe we could put a little bit on him. Make him a little bit more hurtful, you know? And then when I see it's Gavin Gwynn, oh, tough, tough, seasoned, rugged, hard, rough, tough, good boxer. And um, this is not going to be easy. And I, I didn't think for a second... I can't, I'd be lying if I said, but as it all unfurled, and I saw Sean start so well, I thought, you know, and then, as I saw, very similar, very similar to what we watched then on the night, only a night later, as David Avenisian just dismantled Josh Kelly, skillful, better, slick boxer, just couldn't get Avenisian off, he just couldn't get him off, nothing that he did could get him off. And Sean seemed to be the same. He couldn't get away from, just could not get going away from him, no matter what he did. And and I, I started to analyse it rather than look at all the stuff that the usual negative, hate-filled shite that we see from questioning fighters' hearts and calling them all sorts of names, as opposed to well, why did it happen? Now, why did Josh Kelly and the team push so hard for a fight that most neutral observers could see it just wasn't right for him? It was just a step, a huge step at a time of his career where we haven't seen any massive improvement. Where where we had a chance to see it? Because he hasn't boxed. And they were so confident, they were so vocal, they were so out there in their proclamation that they were going to do what they said they were going to do. And everything I thought happened was going to happen in the Avenesian fight happened. And it happened a little bit, little bit sooner than I thought. I thought maybe they'd get to the ninth or 10th. Now, the other night, when everything was going well for Josh Kelly, it was good. Everything was good. It was great to watch. It was a, but the decline was absolutely alarming. The very minute he saw blood, and hadn't, if you listen to the tape, you'll hear him saying, is it bad? As soon as he saw the blood, as soon as he heard, it was as if a mental switch went off. Now, that's just, that's just my thoughts. My thoughts on Friday night were quite... Aggressive. I was quite annoyed. For me, Sean McComb is one of the best fighters this country has produced in a long, long time. He's slick, he's fast, he's skillful, and he has all the tools in his box to beat a Gavin Gwynn if he boxes to his strengths. Simple things that Gwynn was doing, he used all the tools in the trade, he used every tool in his belt, and maybe some of them twice. He kept on stepping on the outside foot. He could not let couldn't let McComb get the foot outside. That's where we want to see a coach put an arm around a young fighter, an inexperienced fella coming through with all the confidence and vigour in the world. The wise old coach put the arm on the shoulder and said, listen here, sunshine, here's what you're going to do here. Sean didn't have that luxury on Saturday, Friday night. Why? I I don't know. I would like to question. I would like to hear that answer. Why was there a young guy in the corner with no experience, with a young fighter with little or no experience? That's not hateful. That's just me asking a question. Will I ever get an answer? I don't know. Will I ask it? Possibly. The, the result is ir- it's irrelevant. The result stands. 
absolute massive congrats and heart, determination, balls and just toughness to Gavin Gwynn. The name Highland is absolutely synonymous with Irish boxing. Whether it's amateur boxing, whether it's club boxing, whether it's international amateur boxing, whether it's professional boxing. Paggio boxed at the very top level. He boxed Javier Fortuna, he boxed Gary Russell Jr. and a host of names in between, winning a lot of titles and just about missing out on that very peak against Gary Russell Jr. On his way back down before he signed off his career, he boxed Josh Warrington. So he is ideally placed to talk about Josh, to talk about what he saw over the last few weeks, and just about boxing in general. Where to even start? I suppose if we go back, I drew a lot of parallels, I suppose, because not just because you boxed Josh Warrington. Josh trains under his dad, his dad's in the corner. When you saw that fight made and when you when you heard it, what, what way were you thinking going into the fight? What did you think of it? And then as it played out in front of us, what way did you think? Um, it's oh, <laughs> how do I put it? Like it's like I, I was out of ring for eighteen months, and when I when I fought back, I I fought like a novice, and I I literally said to my dad and Tracy Patterson, I look shite out here, don't I? Their honest opinion was, yeah, you do. I watched even the way in. I just I I didn't think everything. I don't know if Josh. I, we don't know what camp was like. I don't know if he if he peaked a little bit too early, he looked, he looked like, um, on the, he always looked solid on the scales, but I, he kind of looked a bit, a bit pale, so I was saying to myself, geez, he looks a bit, maybe a bit weak here, and then, in the fourth round, when he started moving around, and, you know, he shot, he, he, his jab wasn't as snappy as he, as he usually is, and, he was getting caught, and I was kind of saying to myself, okay, I think he's going to, think he's going to, he's going to struggle here a bit, because this guy, his hands were down, he was a loose Mexican that, you know, he, he throws wallops the whole time, and um, I just, I just found that his timing was off, and and that that's all down to the, the inactivity from being out of ring that long. Um, I just after the first round, I was just like, this isn't going to go well for Josh tonight. Um, let's hope he wins on points and and moves on. But then again, like, like Josh, the way he is, and he's a warrior, and he got caught with one or two shots, and then he tried to, he just kept mixing up with the guy, and tried to out-box out, out and out-work out him, but was getting caught at the same time, so you know, I, I did feel feel a little a little bit, I was upset with the with the, with the with the loss, of course, he's a lovely fella, uh, you know, I was still in touch with Josh, and, and, all, and all the guys that I fought with, I'm still kind of in touch with, but you know, Josh is one that I knew after he beat me that he was going to be a world champion and I really like the kid and, you know, he's, he's doing great for Leeds and everyone else. So I just think that, you know, he just needs to get back in now and, and, and get a fight sooner, sooner rather than later, you know, get back in because I think he can still be, a, you know, become a world champion again. But the fight, of course, that you're talking about was a huge fight with Javier Fortuna. The result went against you and then yeah. you, had, you had that big breakout and you're talking about you came back in. I think it was at Echeverry, I think is his name, or Echeverry. Yes, it's yeah. and I boxed in uh, Times Square, BB Kings. You were famous for fighting every four or five months re- regularly, all the time. Yeah. Regardless of who or where, you were just fighting. So when you're doing that, you're literally not going in camp. You're li- you're living the life, aren't you? You're not... You're yeah, not- yeah, like... like I- at that time, the Fortuna was the, really the first time and only time in my whole career that I was, you know, full-time training. I was living in America. I was training, you know, six days a week, getting paid to train, which was, you know, the best part. And then, and the only part, the only thing I could do to, to become, to, to put that title challenge in. And again, I know I didn't do enough, but after that, I was ready. There, there was there was a, a possible fight then. That was in the December, the March then for um, a USBA title against Eric Hunter. And that that fell through, 
and then you know contract issues were, were going and you know I wasn't happy and so I fell out and we were uh, 18 months out of the ring before I had my first fight back and again then my first fight was with Lou Bella and it was in Times Square BB Kings headlining the show your man Charles Martin who Joshua knocked out for the title he was on the undercard Golovkin's in the ring you know sitting ringside watching he had a fight you know he was he was headlining an MSG the the main stadium, the MSG, and you know I hadn't fought in eighteen months, and I got in there, yeah. you know against Southport, I was so novice, I was falling over my feet and was missing my shots, and you know I just felt so bad, but I just kept the constant pressure on, and and I got the win, I got the victory because the guy couldn't couldn't handle me pressure and me me punching, but inactivity in boxing is. It, you know, it, it's not good. It's not good for the sport. It's not good for the athlete. It's not good for the person. Because, as we've seen with poor Josh, like what happened? You know, uh, he got caught and 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 hurt as well. Like you know, and that's 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 the big thing about boxing. Like you know, you don't you can't play in that game. You know, if you're not on form, you're gonna get hurt. Like, so I did feel bad for Josh that night, and you know, hopefully he gets straight back in and. Get, get they get they get him fighting regular and another thing as well for Josh like there's no crowd and that's that's a main thing for him like like you think you think the difference in that guy would have felt going into Leeds like I did I, I was just like I was actually amazed I loved it I was like wow this is unbelievable you know it built me up a bit but again Josh done his job that night I made but the crowd crowd is a is a major thing for boxing it's a long time since I felt the way I did last Saturday morning after I just. Or Sunday, even after the fight, Saturday, to see a fighter prostrate on the ring and receiving attention, I don't want to see that. I don't ever want to see that, especially from yeah. a fella who's who's won the hearts and minds. Unless you're in Camp Galahad or places like that, everybody likes the way he carries the city. He represents in a oh, different way. He's, he's a working definitely. class. Sean is one of the... I mean, Sean thinks the most, the highest of you. He's nothing but respect and, and speaks highly of you. But they're special people. So when you see somebody like that... Yeah, it's it's not nice. It's frightening. It's a mix of emotions, and it's not something thankfully that we're used to seeing. One hundred percent. I was I was talking to his, 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 Nicky, his other coach, and, and like straight away, I was, I was saying, "Is you all right?" And blah blah blah. And I messaged his wife like while he was in the ring still, you know, and just said, "Lord, you know, just look after him tonight and make sure he's fine. Uh, tell him not to worry about you know. I know his pride is hurting, but you know he'll get over this." And it was the same with when when I got onto Nicky like straight away, like you know, making sure he was. He was all right. Of course, he was fine after the doctors looked after him, and you know, pride, pride is. Yeah. We all we all feel our pride. Yeah. You can put brush that off after a week or two, saying, "Oh, Jay's always, you know, this this happened, blah blah blah. Should have done this, should have done that." You have your week or two with that, and then you, you just gotta forget about it and move on. You know, this is the side of the game that. I suppose that I'm trying to learn that you can look at a fight and say, okay, what went right, what didn't go right, what they could, should have, would have done, without being horrible and personal and hurtful. It's 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 like a stage now, this social media world, that it's it's disgraceful. And, and a lot it of is. the comments that have been made are just fucking wrong. There's no place I'm, for I'm, I'm mostly people that have never like put a glove on in their life or done stepping out of the circle, stepping out from the bleeding sheep, you know, never done anything like that, you know, and... They're the ones on on social media, like Kane and people that have done that. People are trying to succeed in life, and 
they're, they're, they're the ones on abusing everyone. Like. Yeah, and there's, the way I look at it is there's a warrior's code, and that warrior's code is amongst the warriors who are the fighters. The fighters know what they see, they know what they hear. For anyone that's not familiar, the boxing world is very, very small. Everybody knows yeah. somebody. They all able. There isn't one fighter in the pro scene that can't get in contact with one another in some way, shape yeah. or form if they need or exactly. if they want to. And that's the beauty of it. And sometimes there is that code amongst... And, and let the fighters talk it and be it and live it. For us outside, it's for us to just look at. And you can have an opinion on it, but you can you got to do it respectfully from the world. Yes, one hundred percent. You know, people people on these, you know, as we call them, keyboard warriors. You know, they they don't respect people. That, you know, they don't respect the sport. They don't respect what's going through. How many weeks or hours and time away from family and all that just to just to get that fight. And yeah, if you get beaten in the fourth round or the twelfth round, it still put a lot in for it. They they don't respect that. They don't respect anything. The different scenarios we've seen over the last few months, I suppose, with Daniel Dubois last December, who who was very mindful and wary and conscious. He knew more than anyone else what had happened. He got it in the media for for being yeah. whatever they wanted to call. I'm not, I'm not. I wouldn't even dare use the word because it's it's it makes it, it just makes my blood boil when I hear it. But now you've looked forward. You've got Josh, and after Josh's fight, the same lot were out in force saying it all was wrong. He should have been pulled. The fight should have been stopped. What, what yeah. do what do fighters have to do these days? You know, what are these lads looking for? What do people... <laughs> I mean, you, again, you've been in the corner. You've been in scenarios where you've been hurt badly and you've yeah. come back to the stool and you are famously told me that last time we chatted how you never had to open your mouth because the man in the corner, your dad, knew you better than anybody else on this planet. Yeah. Before you could get the words out of your mouth, he was able to tell you what you were thinking. What, what's likely to have been the, ty- the mindset? Me, I'm, I'm, I'm watching I'm thinking... Even after his fourth knockdown, I thought he started getting better after he, he got through that round. I thought the next round after that, he boxed great. He stuck to the game plan. He was told. I didn't see in any way, like, didn't need to, to see him getting pulled out of there. Like, so I don't know what, you know, it's, again, it's people that are talking that don't know anything about boxing. And, you know, I think it was Sean and, and Nicky said in the corner was was perfect. Like, you know, like, you know, stick behind the job. Don't be getting too close. Don't be mixing up. And, you know, but you're a fighter. You get drawn into it. And especially when you're hurt and you're hit you know, things ain't going, you're not you're not back to a hundred percent. You end up throwing digs, you end up like trying to you know, you you still have that pride and power and you you think that Jesus I'm the champion here, I need to I need to I need to, 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 to push him back and try to hurt him. And then he just got caught again. And, and you see him happens. there at the end of that fourth. That happens. You're seeing him when he gets back to it and he sits on the stool at the end of the fourth and it's it's um it's hard to know what to expect. Sean is cool as a breeze. Nicky, you can hear yeah, the voice. Sean in the and Nicky didn't panic and, and that and that's what that's what that's what great coaches do. They they don't panic, they they keep to the same game plan, they just they get the kid back back to himself, you know, make sure he's all right going out, take a walk for the next round, walk off your job, you know, recover for the round, the next round and and, and then we'll 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 walk a bit harder the following round after that. Like so I thought you know, they they were perfect. I, you know, I do love Sean. I do love Mickey. And, you know, I, I didn't see... After when you're saying that oh, the fight should have been stopped, I don't think it should have been stopped. I, you know, everyone gets hit. Like, it's it's like boxing. It's, you know, it's it's a combat sport. So you have to be able to take them shots and try and make your way back. If that's the case, we would have never had Mickey Ward and Gatti. We yeah. would have never had the Barrera and Morales. Tyson you know, Fury. Oh, you're, yeah, your man getting hit so much. Oh, pull him out. Like, but you know, you have to give the other the other fighter like it's a champions thing, like it's it's a gladiator sport. Like, you have to give the other guy a chance to 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 really try to get back into it. 
And the fighter's point of view, Josh is on his stool at the end of that fourth round. He's sitting there, the, the towel, they put the towel over his head. I watched it again last night. And I think, having, it's funny when you watch it the first time, I was pan. I was like, she, even after all the fights you look at, you're like, Jesus, you know, it still manages to give you that edge. It gets you sitting up on the edge of the couch and you're looking at it and thinking, what is going? And you're kind of, your head's all over the place. So from a fighter's point of view, he's sitting on the stool. When you've been hurt and buzzed and just all over the place like that. What, what, what is the feeling when you're on the stool you're trying to gather yourself for that minute what, what's going through the fighter's mind you're going uh, I, I, I just try to recover like try to get yourself back to your you know um, in your head you're like wait you know like keep breathing and, and try to get, get yourself back to normal but it, it's very hard like and then you're, you're also thinking like what did, what did I do wrong there what did he hit me with you know like and, and sometimes you, you you can't remember like that's what you yeah, concussion you you still can't remember like what shot did he hit me with and blah 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 and, but that's why you have as you say the corner man puts the cold war cold towel on his head kills him down straight away tries to get the, the brain back to normal and tries to recover and and that's the main thing it's just to try to get the recovery um I'm not sure what goes through your mind that much like <laughs> my one against Russell like that that happened in the second round I got down three times and I was like. Glad that's over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, the Warrington fight, I, I was, I was just exhausted, like um, trying to make weight and, like, uh, you know, I know, I, I knew what I had to do. I had to try cover up. Like, I think it was the the eighth round where he, he put me down once or twice, and then the, coming out in the ninth, I still wasn't, I still wasn't recovered enough, and he hit me a jab, and I took a knee to try, you know, you know, get myself back together, and like he, he literally hit me a jab, and I and I took a knee like to to try. Get get everything back together and say right, you, you know, give it a hard round here now and try to get through this round and over the tenth. But again, Joshua's on form that night and he just kept punching and punching. I tried to mix it up with him instead of grabbing again as what fighters do, and then he finished the job. Like so, I think you were honest as well in that build up to that fight. It wasn't the best prep you've ever had, but no, not taking nothing from him. Josh was at the no, he was on his nothing. way. Nothing like I, I like everyone. Everyone had asked me, you know, like I'm retired now. Five be five years in June or July, um, and they all say, you know, would you do that again or anything better? And you know, you could have done this against Fortuna. I said, yeah, I could have, I would have, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't take that back. Like I got beaten by the better men on the night, you know, and they gave me all all the time, uh, even in training camp, even w- like again, you know, I signed the contract and you know I was injured and I hurt myself and blah blah blah. But I kept like everyone saying, I'm gonna want to pull you out, and I was like, no, no. I've signed. I've signed the deal here. Like I'm going to give him my all, you know, to fight and 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 put it on a great show and, you know, give everyone why I got paid. Like and and they, you know, give them, you know, my money's work. So, again, yeah, that's yeah. that's we, just the way boxers and fighters are. And we we moved on then from that one. We saw the we listened to it. I suppose for a few days. We went to Friday night, and you know what? It, it's often the case in not just in boxing but in sport, especially here in Ireland. It's when there's nothing happening, when there's no sport, there's nothing to cover. No, exactly. It's where all the gossip and all the shy talk starts, and that's what we saw in the build up with the BBC, with everything else, and then the boxing starts, and it kind of goes it goes back a little bit, goes back to the background, and then we we had the Josh fight that came on. We had all the negative, not all negative, but a lot of it was, and a lot of. 
there was a lot of that. Mm. And then we went to the Friday night and we were looking forward to, uh, I mean, Pierce O'Leary. I know, am I yeah, right he, saying he's, yeah. he's a little fella that was discovered a long time ago by a fella close, very close to you, wasn't he? Your dad was one of the first ones to spot him. Yeah, yeah, my dad, my dad uh, told. Uh, it was Joe told me that, by the way, the uh, yeah. the cut man Joe. My dad, told knew, me. My, dad my dad, loved this kid, and you know, talked. Um, yeah, he was like Philip Kiao, and and he was just like, yeah, this kid's gonna be special. Like so, yeah, he is. He's he's very good, Pierce. You know, he's he's very good. He has the whole pro style. He, you know, he's perfect. He's perfect example, and, and I think they're they're gearing him through nicely. So. Yeah. And he's not I'm relying so much anymore on the Big Bang. He was the complete no. fighter the other night. He had. Yeah. He was just. Yeah. He was now, I, didn't, I didn't get to see it all. I go. I watched the highlights of him and and McCall that night. You know, and, and again, he was getting off at awful abuse then. The poor fella. Um, but yeah, Pierce O'Leary now is, is he's one to watch. He's one one for future, anyways. Yeah, incredible, and and it led up to we had two good wins himself, Paddy Donovan, Paddy, yeah. Paddy will will keep getting better. I think. Oh, if I was being critical, and, he has, I, and he and he has a, a super like coach with him, Andy Lee, like you know, like oh. Southpaw. You know, you know, Paddy's just a lot slicker and faster kind of than Andy would have been, but. I swear to God, like you know, if, he keep, if, if Andy moulds him the way Andy was, you could see another world champion out of him. Yeah, I, I, I think I said the other night to someone, if you were really looking, would be just for him to keep his chin in a little bit. But I think against a better quality yeah. opponent, he'll do that. I think the other night he knew exactly, it was not exactly. Well. We went on to the big one, and I'll be honest with you, when I saw this one made, Sean McComb dropping down to fight Gavin Gwynn, I, I actually winced when I saw this. I oh, hi, what? Like Gavin Gwynn is as solid and tough and rough as you're likely yeah. to get. So you're relying on Sean, who is the one of the slickest, nicest boxers we've seen in a long, long yeah. time. It didn't... What What did we see? Like, and, and again, I'm going to be... I'm mindful. I'm, I'm respectful. I messaged Sean afterwards and I said, look, you keep... You didn't get to where you're at by being half anything. You you are what you are and that hasn't changed. But it went wrong spectacularly, didn't it? Yeah. Like, again, it's... As you say, he dropped down weight. He, you know, he's in against a tough, tough guy. And it's like... You know, most boxers like to, like to box, and as I said, like even from Josh Kelly's that time, like uh, you know, they're all really, really nice. And Sean McCombs the same, and you know, he's not that long torn pro either. And you know, jumping in, and it, you know, you got to also take it off from stepping in to fight a guy like down away and for a title, and 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 putting the putting the show in. And and I I did love how what he said after it about you know people can say what they want like call me a quitter and stuff like that you got to realise he's a family you know he has a kid at home and thing. it's not all it's not always about you like it's about the family his kid will have to see his you see you see the post he put up the next day yeah. his faces and bits like you know imagine you know people don't think about this but your young kid has to see your face like that you know and it's not nice and but yeah uh, just constant pressure as well just is not it's never good for you know a good boxers like it, unless you have that proper power behind you as you catch them like you know you, you remember when Andy Lee KO Draman and I think it was in the Barclay Centre Jackson he was, he was yeah he was getting he was getting hurt like Andy you know but Andy had that bit of power as as he man came out boom knocked him out cold like but Andy was rocked Andy was constant pressure put on him like with with, with power and and speed and Andy 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 pulled that punch out. But like you know, because Andy had that punch in his bag, like so, you know, I, I, I didn't think Josh Kelly does, and I don't, you know, like no disrespect to the both of them or uh, Sean McKeown, I don't think they have that serious punch power to like stop a guy coming at them constantly, and that and that and that worries me when it, you know with boxers, and I and I do with all 
kids that I coach as well and say to them, you have to be able to dig down deep and, you know, stand toe to toe and, and, and go through the pain and the hurt and be able to try push them back then because then that'll slow them down. And if you, they, if they you see... were that... I spoke to a fella again who was in your time at, a little bit later in the, but around at the same time, Steve Ormond, who lit places yeah. up with that style. But again, you had that trenches ability. What, and you were one of those pressure fighters. And this is, it's kind of timing-wise, it didn't, didn't work last week, but now it's worked a little bit better because we've seen examples. You were one of those fellas that... You fucking sat in a lad's chest. You didn't give him a minute. He couldn't get his... Josh Kelly wanted to go for a walk, catch his breath. And yeah. the minute Avanesian stopped that, he was he just, he just was a totally different fighter. So from yeah. your point of view, when you're sitting on him, you're not letting him get that breath. What did he need to do to you to get you off him? Did he need to literally just rattle you with a couple hurt of... Me. Yeah, he needed, he needed to hurt me. He needed to wobble me. He needed, you, need, you, you need to, like, you know, get, get hit with a bad body shot. Get something to go... All right, I'm gonna ease off the pressure here now because I'm, I'm getting caught with this shot the whole time. But if you're hitting a guy and just constantly hitting them, and you, you also see it in their face, you see, you see them giving in—not kind of giving in, but you, you see you see the everything draining out of them, yeah. and you're like, you're like, I have him now. I have this going now. Now I just need to work. It was it was like that with my game plan against um, Fortuna at that time. Lose the first four rounds, put it on him, put it on him, put it on him, and I. I was putting her on him with pressure, but not enough punches. If 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 if, if, if that's what I'm saying, like I didn't didn't do enough to to really capitalize on when Fortuna got really tired and was you know backing away and backing away, and I know he had constant pressure on him. But you need you need to back up that pressure with a lot of shots. And there's there's some fighters out there that do it, like the, the guy the other night against uh, Josh Kelly done it and. There's you know there's a few of them out there. The guy with Sean McComb just didn't stop throwing punches, yeah. and that's 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 the boxing, that's the game, that's that's the tough toughness in this game. One and you have th- to be able for it. One of the things that stuck in my mind the other night as I watched it was uh, the Lyndon Arthur Anthony Yard fight when everybody had decided. I think they figured in the eighth round there was something wrong with his right hand. He couldn't throw it, and and Yard came forward on instruction, and the next thing, bang, he landed that right hand, and that was instantly stopped. Yard right there it almost in his tracks okay the right hand is working now I'm going to have to try something else so that's what you're talking about he has to do something yes you have to change it up instantly straight away you know let them know that listen you can't push me back this whole time like you know I'm going to have me I'm going to have you're going to be worried you're going to need to think about what way you're coming in at me like because like that's somehow like like the shot that Andy Lee landed boom putting down game over like and, and that's what you gotta make them think that you have that in your in your bag to to pull out anytime soon like so it's but it's very hard it's very hard to say like you know like how boxers feel and, and what way it goes and it's that's why we all love the game isn't it like yeah, you know, these, I mean, things, yeah. these things happen like Josh Kelly could have caught him he did he wobbled him he, he could have finished him uh, he didn't and your man's constant pressure and constant fighting against the boxer you know prevailed and Again, being respectful, but what we saw in the Josh fight where he was getting the best of advice, he was getting the best of maybe some he did and didn't take. I I felt a little bit the other night that Sean didn't. At times, he looked like he was he was sinking and he hadn't got that experience. He didn't have the Danny Vaughan that would have been there generally. He had a novice yeah. coach. I'm not being mean. I'm not being horrible. But at that stage, you need an old wise sage head to say, "Listen, get your foot outside. Don't be letting him stand on your toe. Don't yeah. be letting him push you back." Go get on your bike for a couple of rounds. It seemed when it when the real heat came on, he was very much just 
and I don't want this to sound like I'm being one of those haters. I'm not. I'm saying it from a constructive point of view. But it did look like he he could have done with that experience there to just help guide him through those sticky rounds, didn't it? 100%. 100%. Like, everyone needs that experience. Corner man, you know, tell you, grab him at this time, turn him up, pull him up, push him away. You know, do 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 some little, cheap little shots, whatever. You know, and they need that experience exactly. They just keep their head in the game instead of, you know, watching them go, you know, what what am I going to do here now? Here, drink some water, blah, blah, blah. And just keep off your job where you, you do need that experienced coach to tell you them small, small things mm. to just make you survive through the round and get you through the fight. And they might not necessarily win you the fight. They might not. They mightn't. There's no guarantee because when it comes the way it did and, and it looked at the end, at the very end, his arms looked like he just had nothing left in him. And that, yeah. it was just everything. And that's to take from Gavin Gwynn either because it, what it no, does is, no. what it does is, it puts Tennyson again even higher, his win and how he did it and how he had Gwynn's respect and managed yeah. to deal with him. It gives it, it's just showing a, a broad picture. It's painting a broad exactly, picture. Exactly, 100%. Um, but overall, it's been... It's been some start to the new... I mean, we've got the Mexican yeah, fighters. Eddie, Eddie's having a little Mexican mariachi over there for Matchroom, isn't he? He's found he, a new love. He definitely is. Um, but boxing at the moment, Pajo, we were chatting off air there. The, the itch never leaves you. The grow for it. It's it's even tougher now. And I suppose I'll wrap it up by finishing. You lads opened a new club there, or, or the... Uh, what would we call it? The, 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 the second version of the Golden Cobra. The second the, version of the Golden Cobra, yeah. Famous, and then, famous and club. And then killed us. <laughs> well, it hasn't. It just puts us into hibernation for a little while. But well, tell us a little it, bit yeah, about that with yourself, we, Paul we and still, Eddie. We still, yeah, we still we still don't know, you know, when any boxing's back open here. Like, So that that's the hardship. And then trying to get like a couple of your fighters out to go running and stuff like that, you know, trying to keep in touch with them. And it's just, I'd say it's hard to strive for all of them as well. We were chatting off air about mental health, about the toughness of it, about the difficulties of it. It's um, you're an advo- you and the two lads are an advocate for it. We, we, you're experiencing it. We've all experienced it, if we're being honest about it. From yeah. your point of view now, having been, having gone full circle, you're back where your where your dad was all those years ago, watching these young lads coming through as a coach. Um, how mindful and how how easy is it to see? Is is it easier for some lads when when some some of these young fighters are struggling? Do some hide it? Is it something that you're always watching for, or what way have you found it over the last few months? Yeah, I'd say some some hide it a lot, you know, but but you can't you can't tell with a couple of kids and and you know you just have to pull them aside and ask them how you're feeling and but they'll they'll always say they're they're okay and stuff like that. But you gotta you know try keep your eye out for them to get uh you know see see which one is you know is not performing or whatever like that and not, you don't be feel a bit down. Yeah, the mental health in this country alone is just, especially now with the lockdowns again. There's a lot of people, you know, they're 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 in pain, they're they're hurting, and you know, like that. So we we try our best to we talk to the kids every time after the the gym and and before gym, and you know, we ask them all to talk to each other, and and if there's any 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 problems, you know, we're always at the end of a phone call for them. And not to be afraid to to talk to us, you know. And I think that machismo as well is is slowly but surely leaving. There'll always be that um, alpha male, that that pride, that ego, that yeah, uh, that that aura about the sport. But I think this the, the pettiness is is leaving it. I mean, even with the losses and with the name calling and all that. UFC has is, has is opened people's eyes to say, look, a lad can lose three, four, five. He can lose ten fights in his career. 
he can tap out, but it's not going to be the end of his career. It's not going to be yeah, any. exactly. Manny Pacquiao's lost six. Muhammad Ali's lost. No one knows. No one cares. No one talks because they're yeah heart and soul fighters. Is that that's are we getting? Do you think we're getting a little bit towards that now? I think so. I think so. Like you know, my when I was had me zero like yeah, the whole thing was like oh he can't lose that zero and blah 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 and that, that was a long time ago but look, right now like a loss is nothing anymore you can still make your way up and you can still become a champion like you know so the zeros are, are nothing they just I think you just gotta walk up the ladder walk your trade you know do your apprentice and and become a champion like and it's the same in the amateur you know like there's a few kids that we have and you know one of them has been winning a lot and then he lost and he was a bit down and I was like hey, it's 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 you don't lose you learn like you know what I mean everything is about learning you know you're you're going through your apprentice as a, as an amateur and then you'll move on like and you, and you become a champion so don't don't be worrying about it yeah no 100% right and the last word I suppose we have a we have a bunch of elite athletes sat out there in Abbottstown for the last four years who have every minute of their day I spoke to a few of them quite a few of them they've had countdown timers on their phones they've had everything has been aimed at Tokyo and now know. it's been whipped out from under them I mean what sort how where do they even start now there's a lot of those guys and girls are their their dream is over really because they're not going yeah, to win it their definitely is. Like, it's, yeah it's it's hard it's heartbreaking for them you know but I, th- I think they just gotta keep their mindset and keep going at it like well you know kind of ease off a bit on trying you don't have to peak too much you know but stay in shape and when when that when that call comes when whenever the, the Olympics is next they get wherever they can uh, they can gear themselves forward for it but again hopefully it's not another four years or because then they're four years older aren't they yeah there's a few there will be there's there's a, there, and this is the other, I was chatting who was I chatting to the other day we mentioned about them going oh it was Joe um Johnny in boxing Ireland shout out to Johnny there by the way some man some man the Phil Column inches he's incredible um <laughs> but Johnny was talking about we were saying like there's less than any other Olympic cycle there's not as many of them suited to the pro game anymore there's a lot of them have kind of signed up to this amateur style that are point scoring and it's yeah it, it will take them that little bit longer if they are to move across you know oh 100% it's, it's definitely take you know it takes, takes them longer like the amateur style is 100% different to the professional style and some of them are just way suited for amateur and uh, you know if they, if they keep doing well and, and to, to high performance and and the Irish, Irish Sports Council and again paid for me so I don't know why they'd want to turn over you know yeah but overall there's not, there's not big money in professional boxing unless you make it to the top that's for sure the handful the handful that make it yeah. there's a small percent overall exactly. um, you're looking at the pro game you're five years out but how much from, from where you are now has it changed it's 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 incredible hasn't it like looking back it is incredible there's a lot there's a lot more fighters like you know like there's a lot more you know Irish boxer pros there's a lot more you know, it's just there's a lot more you know shows on as well. Like with the, with the I know they have, you got a lot of sticking on with the MTK shows. There's you know Eddie Hearn, Warren. There's a lot. There's a lot of fights still going, and it's it's great to be watching, especially Matchroom. Like you know Eddie Hearn took over, has literally nearly took over America as well. So it's great. Like it's it's great that we get to watch fights every week on 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 Sky Sports and the Zone and everything else. You know, is there a little party at all? I mean, I spoke to Willie. Uh, Willie. Casey a few months ago spoke to Paulie of course I mean what an epic battle you all had but is there a little part of you that wonders how good it would have been or what it would have been like I mean how hard you had to fight to get fights you know the lads took a fight yeah. had a couple of weeks and absolutely what a fight that was that was one for the ages but yeah. around now um, 
they might have a lot of more talk or a lot more accessible but uh, do they have the same grit and determination that you lads had I, I'm not so sure I don't think so uh, I'm not so sure it's, it's kind of easier now for them you know and so you know every, everyone some some people like the easy route some people like the hard route and you know we, we took the hard route and, 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 and tried it the hard way but uh, yeah I'd love them to have a lot more the way it is now a lot more fights you know regular fights you know better income and it was just it was just timing, isn't it? In boxing, like and everything, you know. If you think about before me, then as well, there was really no pros in Ireland as well, you know. Like only the top lads and how hard they would have had to work to get to their fight. So it goes in circles. Like that. That's about it for me and them until then for this first episode from the lane. Thank you for your patience over the last week or so. Be superb. Really, really appreciate it. Keep an eye out for the next few episodes. I've spoken over the last few weeks with Luke Watkins. I've spoken with Beck Conley. I've spoken to a number of different guests. And there's quite a few more coming down the line as well. So I'm going to be in touch with some of the club fighters around the country just to let them know that we haven't forgotten them. We're still thinking about them and looking forward to seeing them all back. Until the next episode, stay safe, stay sane, smile. All's well that ends well.